It's good to have you guys here. Um, my name is Joe. I am one of the RSA's uh, regional safety advisors here at Grace. And so um, the other ones are uh, Chris in the back. Um, he's, he's my boss. So um, he, he oversees all safety for all campuses centrally. Um, and then Tim, uh, who's not going to be able to make it, um, has HB, Powdersville, and it's in there. It's in the back page. I'm losing my train. Y'all know what the other one is? Yep. Harrison Bridge, Powdersville, and Anderson. Um, and then Chris currently has downtown, Travelers Rest, and Greer. And then um, Dan Dather has Taylor's and Espanol and Spartanburg, and then I have Pelham. So um, we kind of split up that one just because, um, yeah. But we're glad that you guys are here, um, and Dan, I know, is going to make it. Tim is not going to make it. Um, he, unfortunately, is in Atlanta. So kind of the overlay of the night. Um, we're going to take some time. Um, we're going to have some people. There's some room at some of the tables, and so we'll let, like, Jonathan, you can kind of join the table. And there's a couple openings over here. But at your tables, um, everyone, there are scenarios. And so we're going to take about 15 minutes here um, to walk through these so that um, so I'll assign two scenarios for each table. So your table is responsible for them. What we're going to do is um, I'm going to call Isaac up here um, in a little bit, um, who's one of the guys on the safety team that is uh, law enforcement that is going to help um, answer and kind of help guide that. Um, so at your table... You're gonna, like, you guys are going to have scenario one and two. If you guys have talked through scenario one and two um, then, and you're done with that, then go find another scenario and start to talk about them so we can have more discussions. Really what, what we want to do in the trainings is we want to help prepare you um, so that if you do encounter something similar to this, that you have something to go off of, some kind of language, some type of be like, oh, I remember this in training. Um, and so... That's why we want to constantly be doing these, and um, that's why we offer these two times a year, two medicals and two situationals, um, is to keep ourselves sharp, keep ourselves aware, um, so that um, we're caring well for the church and the people that are here. So, um, so we're going to do that for about 15 minutes, um, and then we're going to come back all together and we'll say, hey, what were your scenarios? We're going to have them read them out loud, and then um, you guys are going to um, answer those and say, hey, this is how we answered them. And then uh, we'll go to this table. And so we're going to get to hear from all the different scenarios so you can hear how different, because different people think different ways. Um, so you guys, we'll call you table number one. You're going to have scenarios one and two. You guys are going to have scenarios three and four, um, five and six, seven and eight, nine and ten, and ten and eleven. Did I do that wrong? Is there six tables? Oh, because we only have, yeah. So I miscounted. So the 11th, is on, um, the 11th is on the front sheet, right? It's not on mine, but it is on yours. So um, for you guys, do, do 1 and 11. Number, uh, scenarios 1 and 11. All right, so you guys have 15 minutes to discuss amongst their tables. We'll bring it back here, um, and then we'll, we'll walk through them. All right. So we're going to get started here. Um, this is Isaac Henderson, so Sup. he is going to be, like me, I've just watched a lot of cops, but he actually is <laughs> law enforcement, so that helps. So all my, oh no, it's Live PD now, so all my stuff is based on Live PD, um, so that's my experience. So we got some real, um, we have some uh, retired law enforcement, um, and I know that Mylon's also active law enforcement. Who all in here is active or retired law enforcement in here? Uh, John has some, yes, and then, okay, or was in law enforcement at some point, so, all right, so, um, well, awesome, so, scenario number one, um, there's a man that entered the children's area that was not authorized to be there, a volunteer noticed him and brought him to the Grace Church Kids team, leads attention, he became agitated when asked um, what he was doing there, so, when he was asked to leave the area, he began to raise his voice and say that he was not leaving, so we'll let you guys as a team walk through that. So your spokesperson, there's a mic that you do have to speak into because this is on record recording. So this will be used in a court of law. So first step that we talked about was, you know, when you find out about it probably over the radio, 
It's on. I just got to turn it up. Sorry. Continue okay. on, Dan. Um, so go and engage the man calmly. Um, yeah, engage him with a calm demeanor, trying to de-escalate and start just gathering some information from him, finding out, you know, why, what he's up to, why he's down there. Does he have a kid there and he just hasn't talked about that yet and he's frustrated because he's getting put on the spot, you know, and just try to do that with a, with a good demeanor. Um, angle him towards, we talked about just kind of body positioning and body language, angling, angling him towards the wall or towards, you know, exit, end of the hallway, wherever that might be. And then obviously as you're responding, you know, first thing, either you or another safety team person, let your law enforcement person know right away just because that's in a sensitive area, a guy who's already escalating a little bit. So uh, get them in on that and, and head in that way just in case it does escalate more. Yeah. We had. Um, so what additional actions should you guys take to handle the situation? Did you answer all those? Or you don't have to, but I know there's uh, a couple other questions in there. <laughs> we never flipped the page, so sorry, not much of it. No worries. That's the leader's fault. You can, right here. So it's my fault. Sorry. Any, any other guys can can talk from the table. And anything you would y'all would need to add? No, I think that's good. Um, letting law enforcement know right away. Yeah. In that split second, what'll happen, so get them on the way. Yeah. And most of these are actually situations that have happened before. So, um, incident reports, yes. So, yes. So the question is, is, um, do we need to document or is it required to document? So something like that would, yeah, any kind of stuff where you would have to confront someone and them not act well. Um, we would want to know that, um, and l also, especially if law, if law enforcement intervenes, we would want to know that, too, so 100% um, for that. So anything, I know that you guys also did um, scenario number one. Would y'all add anything to that? We're going to see how many steps Chris can run back across the room here. So pretty much our answer is going to be the same. You know, you start out radioing the officer and then kind of positioning them away from where the children are, which, you know, bringing them up to the check-in area as well to say, hey, you know, if you haven't checked in, we can get you at least back up to there. And then that moves them away uh, at our campus or the campus I'm from. It would move them away from the kids. Um, so pretty much same things, just, you know, radio the officer and then try and de-escalate the situation, move them away, and then at the end, you know, fill out the incident incident report. Perfect. Thanks. All right, so scenario number two, you guys still had that. We're going to let Chris run back around. Yeah, and I would say, too, when you guys share, if you could tell us your name and what campus you're at, we'd love to learn. So. So before the safety team huddle, um, you get to the, uh, this has never happened. You go and get your radio just like every other Sunday, but when you get there, you realize that the docking station for the radios is either isn't working or none of the radios are charged as they should have been. So you don't really know if the docking station or the outlet is the problem, but either way, you don't have any radios and they're dead. So what should your first action be for this scenario? Um, Dan Wilder from downtown campus. What we talked about was some good actions being, you know, take the time to communicate your plans with your team even more, you know, detailed and really lay that out ahead of time if you're going to have less, uh, less communication during the service and plan out, you know, where you're going to be, when you're going to transition, whatnot. Uh, create a group text um, with everybody who, not just the guys on the safety team, but also, especially since radios are down, at least temporarily, also get in on that group text, you know, your children's ministry lead, the people, you know, responsible down in those hallways, uh, you know, maybe a usher, lead usher, uh, campus pastor, um, you know, just so there can be more communication if you have to do it text-wise. Uh, potentially borrow radios from another ministry or another building, depending on which campus you're at. Um, and then if you have a facilities person there who can, you know, address it right away, ask them for a solution resourceful to try a different outlet <laughs> to what, what you need to do and uh, and if it's not resolved right there then uh, let the safety team
team lead or the facilities person knows so they can get that taken care of for the next week. Yeah, no, definitely. So we do all those things. Um, so who you listed, um, the people that you would want to contact would be children's, right? What are some of the other areas? Parking, law enforcement. Ushers is a great one. AV. AV is a lot of times one of the best is because they're a little bit higher up and they can see the whole room. Um, and so just, just making sure that somebody from each ministry, if you have a student ministry going on in that, the same thing. Um, I mean, the percentage of lockdown is .0001. You, he can probably give you a more accurate number. So, but in, just in case something would need to go down or there is somebody, we've had definitely people, we have the QT for here for Pelham, so everybody passes through here right in the middle. Um, sometimes in their pajamas on the Sunday morning. So, um, Trying to figure out if they slept here last night or they're here from the apartments is always a fun thing. Um, Isaac. How do you feel about that situation? No, I think that is a perfect answer. You, know, you got to try to think outside the box, keep communication going, so that um, you know it's perfect. Cell phones or an app that can do a quick call for someone who maybe they want to get on paper route or something, but you know obviously it takes some group time. Yeah. And plug it in, you know, and get those things called and interested. So. Yes. I was just wondering, question: do you, Are all of your teams on a group me type chat? Do all of you have? Is there a team that doesn't have that? We don't. Pelham <laughs> doesn't. Okay. I know Powdersville does. Greer does. Um, yeah. So Pelham, do you guys communicate through any sort any sort of thread or anything like that? Okay. I know group me. You mean like on it like that morning? You come out for the. I mean, we communicate through email, but yeah. I mean. I mean, I just wondered if you guys yeah. had group chat. We have a lot of ministries to steal radios from, so we will take them from children's. They don't need them. So, just playing. That was a joke. If anybody's part of children's, Tanner, I know he's in here somewhere. <coughs> All right. When I, All right. So next situation. This is your table, right? So situation three. As you are patrolling the church lobby. You see someone and think they may have a small handgun in their pocket. Y'all gave us a good one. Uh, Josh White from Anderson Campus. Um, we said the first contact needs to be law enforcement, uh, your campus officer. Um, and then the additional actions would be obviously confronting them just so that they're aware that, that you know they're there. Um, and if it's not that situation, then you may need to just um, follow up with the officer just to get them involved so that maybe they make the confrontation just in case it is a gun because um, I know that a lot of us probably don't have the background to, to handle that um, the necessary way um, so I think that a lot of that would be done on the campus officer's shoulders I think um, but just making them aware like kind of um, not aggressively coming up to them introduce yourself just saying good morning approaching them, just letting them know, you know, maybe they have forgotten. We talked about that it's clear legally they can't carry inside of a building, so they, they should know that's not allowed, that's not something they should do. So if it is a gun, then that, that's a red flag immediately. So that's something that's kind of pretty serious, I would say, um, but not something that we felt that we could handle on our own. Um, so obviously your team um, speaking into the radio, and then officers first. So Yeah. Definitely be addressing it, and um, the officer, obviously, want to get them there as soon as possible. Um, there is, there's a lot of people that think that they can carry on a campus, and that is illegal because you have to have written permission from the church on a yearly basis unless you're active law enforcement. So if people have that question all the time, because we had safety members that were doing that, um, and we had to, to X that, um, it's a big liability. Um, but... I mean, I was talking to um, Brett, who's one of our law enforcement guys here on a Sunday night. He's like, hey, I just had this guy come up to me and pat me on the back and say, hey, just in case of an emergency, I got you covered. <laughs> and so, like, he ran to me five minutes after that, and he's like, hey, I just ran to this guy. He looks like this. <laughs> he's like, and he told me he had me covered. I don't really know what that is. So we did a lot of tracking down. We figured out who it was. Um, had the conversation. Didn't realize it was illegal. Um, 
So there are people that do that, um, and so we want to be very clear um, on that, and so definitely, um, how would you add to that? Um, Nothing really, just get law enforcement in there. Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, ex- especially if it's a uh, disgruntled person, you don't want to, um, well, they got one more. I, I was oh. just going to ask a question. Yes. So, like, because I want to know, if I see somebody like that, and I know that, like, you said that scenario, somebody's like, hey, man, I got your back if you ever need it. Like, at that point, are we pulling them to the side and saying, hey, this is against the law? Like, you... Do you have written consent to do this? I mean, like, I mean, I can tell the you they don't. Conversation that we have. Okay, so that's right. They don't. So, what is the conversation that we begin to have? Do we get law enforcement to do that? So, yeah, I mean, it is always great to have law enforcement. I'll come back. Um, it is always good to have law enforcement there. And when we're confronting someone, when you're asking them about a law, uh, if you're asking them about a weapon that they have on them, you need law enforcement there. Um, but you're almost stalling them until the time, saying, "Hey, how's it going? Introducing yourself." Um, if you know them and you recognize them and they are they're a part of the church, um, that's there's a little bit of where I mean, if I know the person, I'd say, hey, you know that that's illegal and you need to go put that back in your car, um, or I don't know what that statement means, but if it means that you have a weapon on you, you need to go put that back in your car. Um, so yeah, I know someone had a question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yes. Um, yes. So, um, you know the, the officers, you have the officers within. Sorry, James Huffman from Pelham. Um, the officers that serve. Um, You're talking rotate. about the, on, the paid, on, the paid, paid law enforcement. Paid officers, yeah. yeah. Um, I know they rotate through or whatever. Can we make sure, I had a comment from one of them who actually assumed that we were carrying as um, it wasn't a normal, you know, on the rotation or whatever. Can we just make sure that anytime we get a new one in that they know that we're not carrying? Because he told me, oh, well, that changes how I, how I handle the situation knowing that you're not. Yeah. Um, so, the, yes, we will. I mean, th- that comes down from their sergeant. And so sometimes there's substitutes that we don't always have access to. Um, so, yeah, but we will – Chris, are you making a note of that? That would be great. So um, I think hopefully majority of the ones that have done any time here know that, that we have a system for that. So um, – and the great thing is is we have law enforcement that are here that we ask to carry all the time. So that's, that's one of the other great things that – the liability doesn't have to be on you. Um, anything else? Documentation. Should we document it? Okay, good. All right, so scenario number four. So while you're patrolling the hallway in the children's building, you notice that one teacher leaves with a child to go to the bathroom. What should be your first action? So for kids' ministry, uh, they're volunteers. You... Uh, students for changing diapers and for the restroom, um, no one should do that alone. Um, even parents. Um, so I know I speak uh, from a security standpoint and from my wife's the kids coordinator of Anderson. And so from her end, she would want me to say, obviously, like you confront them first. You say, hey, can I help you? Do you need, do you need a point of contact? You should have a second point of contact for all changing diapers as well as um, kids using the restroom. And that's male, female, um, regardless. Um, so saying, hey, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, having the conversation with them initially, almost like not really a confrontation, but just having having a little bit of a discussion while you're waiting there, like, hey, were you aware of this, or d- did you know that you needed to have a second person, a second person as contact for the restroom? Um, that way you have the conversation, you can kind of feel them out for, I was just breaking the rule because I don't care, or we were short-staffed, or... I was just this one time, you know, like trying to find out, kind of get a feel for, for why they did that. Um, but addressing the situation, obviously saying, can I be your second point of contact? Can I, you know, because I've had to do that, just stand inside the doorway. They open the doorway, kid goes in. I'll stand right outside right here with you. Um, let me know if you need, you know, another, like letting them know. 
let me know next time you need coverage if you can't find somebody. So they know I'm supposed to grab somebody, not the security guy or safety person. Um, and then who'd be the correct person to contact? Um, we, we talked about coaches. So the kids coordinators have a team of coaches um, on their team that are basically running things for the day. And so um, obviously telling one of the coaches, coach would have to tell kids coordinator uh, so they can have that conversation because they're they're leading that team, and that'd be good for them to have that conversation and follow up and say, hey, you've been doing this a year, or, hey, you've been doing this a couple weeks, so this is a church policy. Um, law enforcement, we just said, I, I don't know, I, didn't, I don't think we said law enforcement, did we? That wasn't a law enforcement one. That's, that's more of a kids policy, kids volunteers, either getting the swing of things or needing a reminder. Um, what additional actions uh, to handle the situation? I think just kind of being aware of who's there, having the conversation, and I think that pretty much covers it. I don't think it requires documentation. Uh, we said we said no to that one. It wasn't. Any, I mean, it's a confrontation. I think. I think it's a reminder, but I didn't think it was a kind of a strike or penalty or anything. I think that the kids coordinator can say, "Hey, I, I noticed that you know you you didn't take a um, second point of contact with you." So that's what that's what we ended with. I guess especially if it's caught before they were actually gone alone traveling and that's maybe not going to be how yeah. the church is going to Does everybody know the policy for kids? Okay. Yeah. There always has to be two adults to one child. Two adults. There. Yeah. I believe that's right. I, yeah, so, I mean, and, and they have to, normally the hallway coach will come and walk them down to the bathroom. Um, if they need an additional one, if they're short in the classroom, they'll, they'll borrow a volunteer to do that. Um, so I, I know that the policy says that there must be two adults. So that's 18 years of age or older. Um, and so this, how many of y'all went to ministry safe? Anybody? A couple people? All right, so Ministry Safe is where we come in, and we as a church tell all anyone that's working with children or students has to go through this training. Um, and it's probably beneficial um, the next time it comes through. I'd highly encourage you to do that. But if you see somebody that you know, and this is where there's a directional piece of this, and you're like, oh, I know them, I'm going to give them a pass. All right, you are, that is wrong. I'll tell you right now. Even if you know them, and even if you tell them that, you need to go tell the coach. You need to go tell a staff member. And that, that does, it doesn't have to be documented on, a, um, on one of the incident forms, but it does need to be documented at, um, at, at the children's director or the student. Well, it wouldn't be for students, unless you see something fishy with students. Um, but no matter with students, if they're, they're never alone in a room one-to-one -one with opposite sex. Um, males are never changing diapers. Um, and so we want to be really, really tight on that. So one, we, we, have, we, have, we, give, we give people one shot of grace. And the next shot is stupidity, all right? Because we as a church, I mean, you, you've seen what has happened at different churches, with the church in Charleston and different churches around. Um, and we have to, you are, you are safeguarding our kids. And so th this is something that's really, really serious for us that we want to make sure that does not happen. And if you see happening that you immediately address it and you, you take them and you walk them to an adult and then you go and talk to the, the children's director or the children's lead saying, hey, this person was with the child in the bathroom by themselves. We want to be above reproach in every way. And that's the way that we protect our, our children. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, because there's stories, you know. Um, where, all right, you have, I mean, yeah, even in the car riding thing where it's like, all right, well, you can have two kids and an adult. Well, then that's, you have two kids that say something against the adult. That's not protecting the adult either. So does that make sense? So it doesn't need to be documented in a, um, in a form for safety, an incident form, but it does need to be documented on the children's side. So if you see that happening, and even if you know that person, you need to hammer that down because that's, 
We, I heard this, this speaker go, the first time you get caught, it's grace. The second time, we're going to call you stupid because you just, that's just really dumb of you to do that. So, and that's probably pretty harsh to say, but I feel like we got to be really clear with that. Um, I'm, a, I'm good with being harsh on that situation, that scenario. So, did you have anything to say? Uh, oh, sorry. I, I'm going over my five minutes per scenario. All right, scenario number five. Um, while you're patrolling the parking lot, you begin to hear some commotion. People somewhere are yelling at one another. Um, you can't see where it's coming from, but when you decide, you should go investigate before the situation escalates. When you discover um, the noise was coming from, you see two women still yelling at each other, and both women are holding the hand of a crying child. So go ahead, Gordon. Gordon Ramsour, Pelham Campus. We felt like that um, first thing to do would be to engage the situation. Um, move towards that. Uh, I think it would be a great idea to radio the other safety members as well as the deputy on your way there that you're going to investigate what a possible altercation and see what's going on. So really just inserting yourself into that situation to find out more about what the issue is with the child, make sure the child is obviously not in any uh, harm or danger. If the deputy is needed to um, kind of get in the middle of that dispute, get him involved but the the second part of that is felt like if if not everyone was needed at that situation that you shouldn't pull you know multiple safety guys into that situation to leave the building if that wasn't totally necessary um, so uh, what additional actions should be needed to uh, should you take in this situation I, I think the main thing was just making sure that the child was was okay and again if there was some kind of domestic dispute or figuring out what the problem was um, in that situation we would say yes document that absolutely yeah so um, one one parent is a foster parent one parent's a real parent all right so how, how would that change your uh, answer would it change your answer in any way anybody in the group want to respond to that I think at that point you need law enforcement because it could be a child abduction. That I mean, the one of the parents, or maybe the the, the uh, birth parent is trying to take the child. Yes. And you don't want to wait until they're gone and then call. So. Yep. So yeah, if you see it and it looks pretty aggressive, um, I would I would call it over. We are we we have a lot of fostering and adopting going on in churches in our church. So. That scenario has happened several times, not in this exact, but situations with the foster and adopt system. So, um, would you document it, you said? Okay. When in doubt, fill it out. All right. So, if you're like, should I fill this out? Boom. Does everybody have the, um, the incident form? No. All right. So, there we go. say that we will uh, <coughs> email all of our safety leads the incident report we do have a digital one as well as a hard copy so you should have a hard copy in the children's ministry area um, if not if you don't know where it is this Sunday when you serve next time you serve get with your safety lead and figure that out but the safety the digital report you should have a copy of that so um, but we'll get that out to you guys yeah this week. it's real it's it's relatively easy it's on the phone Fill it out real quick. Um, so, yes. All right, number six. You're patrolling an area and someone on the safety team radios in a medical issue in the children's wing. You respond to the issue and realize that every other safety team member is already there on scene. So we felt like that, that um, you could quickly assess that situation to see if any additional assistance is needed. Um, probably in our experience with a medical emergency, there's probably too many people there already. There's first responders there, but just ask the question, does 911 need to be called? Has it already been called? Has the deputy been radioed? And then uh, probably is not a great idea to have all the safety guys in one place on the campus. Um, 
so who would be the correct persons to contact in this scenario? The deputy, 911 if needed, and potentially the parents if um, this happened in the children's room and there was a medical emergency. Yeah, I would say that's correct. When you get on there, just you need to make sure, all right, we got you know three or four people standing around like you say, clarify what's what's been done already because you don't want to be like, oh, well, everybody's here, see you. Meanwhile, no one's never ever called 911 or, you know. Yeah. And then you'll be able to tell, like you said, pretty quickly what's going on. But before you take off, just make sure everything's been done. And then, you know, find out who else is needed there. If there's like four people standing around and you're about to leave, like, are you, do they need you too? No? Okay, well, let's go back to our post kind of thing. Yeah, does it? Does everyone know why you call? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So Milan's saying, go and help direct them to come in. Um, does everyone know why we contact the officer and nine one one? Correct. So, because you call 911, they call dispatch, dispatch goes out to the EMS where um, our officers have a direct line and their response times are quicker. That's what we were told. So, got confirmation from law enforcement that that is true. <laughs> so, quick response of that is that's what we're talking about so that's good anything else you would add no that sounds great does the situation require documentation does it yes when good answer good answer all right scenario seven a young couple with children who you have never seen before appears to be new walks towards the sanctuary for worship the mother is carrying a very large purse. What should you do? <coughs> We've got a spokesperson over here. State your name, bank account. She's not listening. Um, we said, first of all, we were just a per Yes, I'm Will from Anderson Campus. Um, we would approach and greet them, but also try to make them feel welcome at first, not to feel like we're approaching them hostile or being aggressive. Um, and for one, two, like if it's obvious that maybe the mother is someone that we recognize, um, even if they're a member, or we get a second, we get a we get a second opinion on who this person might be, then it might be a little bit of a safer situation, but also when in doubt to always check larger bags regardless. And if the um, individual doesn't comply with that, we just request them to not bring it into the sanctuary for the safety of everybody else. Um, and when it comes to law enforcement being informed, if the situation becomes hostile, then of course, um, but this may be a situation that we could hopefully handle ourselves um, and be equipped to do that, but um, always be ready to click that radio. Um, additional actions. Um, we said really, none other really just making them feel welcomed and safe but also aware of our intentions of keeping the congregation safe um, and prioritizing others. And does the situation require documentation? No. <laughs> yes, uh, correct. <laughs> yeah, Talk in the mic, please. I can't hear you. Direct them to first time family. 
continue with the welcoming feel, like um, yeah, since they have young kids and they're welcome to the sanctuary. Hospitable piece, right? So want to make sure that, that they are loving, that we do know, um, and yeah, if we do know them, I mean, they got five kids, they gotta have some snacks in there. I mean, so we need to be. This this is like a discussion that continually goes on. It's like the backpack purse policy. Um, and so there's some discretion that we have to use. And there's not a black and white line all the time. Um, it's a little bit gray. It's a lot of gray. Chris, yeah, I know you I have something. I think you know, we all feel the tension of the backpack. It's like this person has a backpack. I'm not going to talk to them. Like that's what I normally say. But I think if we could maybe rearrange our thinking to say – um, let me go meet this person. Like, let me just welcome them to our church, you know. And in that conversation, maybe you find a way to mention that, wow, you have a really big bag. <laughs> I was talking to a guy the other day, and he had a book bag. Like, he literally had a briefcase that he was walking into the service with. And so I just walked up to him, and I said, hey, man, my name's Chris. I've never met you before. That's a, always a good go-to. And... Um, and as we started talking, he, you know, is, of course, how most people are like, who the heck are you, you know? Um, we got some real kind people in our church. Um, but anyways, um, I'm like, uh, we were started talking. I was like, man, I just noticed, like, so you got to tell me this. Like, just be honest with me. You're bringing your briefcase here? I mean, I was just, like, fun with him at that point. And he was like, yeah, I know it's crazy, and, but I just like it tight. And I'm like, okay, great. And I said, well, we have a policy here. We're trying to keep our church safe. Could you just open it so I could just see inside? And so he opened it, looked inside, and that's it. We're not allowed to put our hands in people's bags. You know, that is uh, that is the process that we want to go by with the bag. So just have them open it up. Hey, can I just look into it? And you know, with a woman, that might be kind of weird, <laughs> but I mean, I don't think. I mean, use your discretion. I mean, Joe, you might want to add more to that, but. I mean, there's some people with some big, there's some women with some big, I mean, there was a woman today at our staff, I was like, that is the biggest purse I've ever seen in my life. You came to Pelham, you might get, you know, tackled, you know. So That's where we handle that, it here. Joe? What so, would you say to that, Joe? Tackle first and then ask questions later. So, no. I mean, so uh, there's like a big trend of like the backpacks that are purses now, and so you kind of have to use your discretion on some of that. Like, it's a... It's a purse. That's a backpack. Um, and then you're like, okay, are they acting weird? Are they suspicious? Um, but for some of that, like, it's your discretion. If it's a bunch of kids and, like, you kind of walk up and you kind of get a feel that, hey, she's here. She's just, she's just trying to survive. All right? You got five kids. I mean, who has five kids in here? Maybe? All right. So maybe you're just trying to survive. I don't know. I got three. I got two and one on the way, so I'm trying to survive only with two. So, um, but, I mean, just go and engage, engage them. And then if it comes up and it's like they're really acting weird, then ask them to do it. But I would, I always have the conversation with people, and then you can kind of discern from there. So you're here because you, you have the ability to discern. All right. Scenario eight, you're training another safety volunteer when a gentleman comes and stands beside another volunteer on another team. You notice as they engage in conversation, the gentleman states, you should know this to the volunteer he is talking, he is talking with. He asked about Grace's specific view on a religious topic and sparks a pretty heated conversation. So again, the first would be to approach the situation and establish like our identity and role um, in the church and also if it's it appears the scenario presents kind of like a heated discussion then it, it's necessary to not to approach the same situation with the same kind of heated um, um, like persona into it just so that that could also just fuel that other person's emotion or whatever they're going through at that moment, talking to that volunteer. Um, and as in who would be the correct persons to contact in this scenario, um, I think 
off having like contacting the officer might be good, just making them at least aware of what's going on, so they could kind of have eyes on to the scenario as well. Um, and also, if a church leader is maybe available as well, that they could also be a little bit more involved um, in answering that person's questions because the volunteer could be new; they could be, you know, not as well equipped as a leader could to handle that type of conversation. Um, and additional actions could follow up with officers again, even if the, the, the situation needs to be explained more in depth and other team members, obviously. And I think it should be documented. Um, and also maybe sending out an email or some kind of um, communication to leaders and some other team members just to keep an eye for these types of situations. And some we've had situations where we've had um, reoccurring people come into the church. Um, and knowing and communicating that occurrence has helped us be a little bit more prepared for the next time that we encounter those types of people. Um, so making sure that's established as well could be very helpful. Yeah. What would you add to that? Hold that mic up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, ended yeah. up at Anderson. And uh, so I overheard him say this to Brogan as I was standing there. And so then I confronted him and, and started to engage him as well. In my conversation with him, he brought up Donald, uh, who is our uh, campus pastor. So uh, that right there set off a red flag. I'd never seen him before. And Donald's my cousin. So that <laughs> set off a red flag. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> agreed, agreed. So, um, and so he, he brought up, and so that told me he's already had a conversation with Donald, and he just walked in. So right after he got agitated, he gets in his car and leaves. So, of course, I follow, I start taking pictures of the car, I get tag number, because <laughs> I don't know who he is. So then, of course, this is, service is just starting, so I'm like, Donald, let's go. Outside, we got to talk. So I started talking to him. What ended up happening was earlier in the week, he was found in the building roaming around. So without being greeted or anything, he's been in the building for a while. So that's a security issue right there. Because each campus has offices and things like that. So that's something you gotta be mindful of as well. In the conversation with Donald, he brought up, what are we gonna do with the people next door? We have the Islamic temple that we share a parking lot with. That's another red flag. Um, so yes, I did document since it's in the scenarios now. Um, Check. But yeah, it was, uh, that's one of those, as soon as I followed him, because I knew he was leaving, just to see where he went, then I notified the other um, security members and park, parking, because they were still out in the parking lot at that time. Um, so just to keep an eye on him, because we, we have parking on all sides of our building. Because um, of course we share with the Islamic temple behind us, he was parking up front. So I wasn't able to get a tag number, but I was able to get all the information that knew Donald and got more information from Donald as well. So uh, it's kind of a, it happened pretty quickly. So, so have your phones ready. So, yeah, I'm good. Like we've, had, we've had multiple um, people that have come to a campus mm -hmm. and someone's taken a picture of them and they've shown up at another campus. So, you know, don't be afraid to take a picture, to pull out your phone and take a picture of somebody because we can share that with all of our other safety teams um, because we've had that happen before. So. Yeah. It's always great when someone's trying to steal and then you catch them stealing and you walk up to them and you say, hey, let me get a picture of you. And then they never come back. So there it works. There really are some crazy people that come to our church. And so it's... And you you would yeah. hope that that wouldn't happen, but there really are some some interesting people. Yeah. yeah. So. No, if if you do have um, pictures are good. We don't have cameras um, on on campus for the most part, uh, but pictures are good, especially if we. But social media helps us out a lot of times, <laughs> where we can 
stock people there, and that's majority of where we get our pictures from. <laughs> We're the ones that we sent out at Pelham. I don't know about other campuses, but um, but yeah, it's always good to send it around to your team. So we do have text messages for teams. So, all right, Is the next table right up here. All right, number nine. A lady rushes up to you in a panic. She begins complaining about her purse disappearing. She claims to know exactly where she left it, but when she gets when she got back, it was gone. And in hindsight, she realizes that she should have taken it with her, but she didn't think anything would happen to it. So the first thing that we said we should do is <coughs> try to calm her down because it says that she's in a panic. Um, and then get a description of it and radio it in. That way everybody with a radio can kind of keep an eye out for it. Um, then we said that at that point we would uh, retrace her steps, check lost and found. Everybody should know where the lost and found is at their campus. Where's the lost and found here? Uh, it's in the children's building over by the coffee station. There's two of them, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's one in the coffee stairwell over here and one in the children's building. So yeah. that's a good place it, for all you guys to know at your campuses. So. Um, and then should... Uh, should law enforcement be informed? We said yes, um, especially if it's not found right away. Um, you know, if if we find it right away, it's really not not a reason to do that. Or we said document it. Um, let's see. Do, does the situation require documentation? Um, if it isn't quickly recovered, yeah. Or if she finds it and says there's something missing, then yeah. But if she's like, oh. That's right, I did carry it over to the next place I walked. There's no need to document that. Correct. Yeah. Perfect assessment. Yeah. <laughs> he's only served twice here at Pelham. I mean, he's got all this wisdom. And he knows Three where the lost times. and found is. Three times. Three times. So he's, he's a veteran. So I'm impressed. You know where the, most people have no idea where the lost and found is. So well done, Eric. So. Yeah. Unless y'all have anything. Bill looks like he has something to say. Um, Bill, are you going to announce the next one? Is that what it is? Yeah, uh, Eric is spokesperson. <laughs> Scenario 10. A young child walks up to you in the, the worship lobby area and says that he can't find his parents. What should you do? <laughs> what should you do? Uh, first actions. Uh, get information from the kid. Get, get name. Radio it in. Um, where was where's he supposed to be? So if he was checked into the children's building, did he did he escape? Um, was he in the worship center with his parents? Was he with his parents in the beginning, or is you know information's key in the situation? Um, we said uh, get previous location children's building. Okay. Who would be the correct person to contact in this scenario? Um, well, if they have escaped from the children's building, obviously the room leader and the uh, and the lead over there. But if they were in the worship center, um, probably not. So should law enforcement be informed uh, or brought in to handle the situation? We said absolutely. Um, if the parents aren't quickly found, then, then definitely because a lot of times parents are going to immediately go to the cops. So there's that. Uh, what additional action should you take to handle the situation? Um, don't let the kid out of your sight until you know that they are definitely with their parents. And does the situation require documentation? Again, we said it depends. Uh, if, if, if the kid's parents are immediately found and it wasn't a failure on the children's building, probably not. But if there was um, some sort of breakdown or, or if this went on for an hour and a half, two hours, then definitely document it. Wow. Yeah. No, I agree. And just for the documentation, um, I saw this. It says, when in doubt, fill it out. So if you guys need a little reminder, you guys are uh, more than welcome to, to pass that around just to remember. So I'm glad that I'm memorable here. I was reading it. I was going to sit on the table, and I was like, Fill it out. All right. So, well, 
Would you guys add anything else to that? Bill Robinson, Taylor's. Uh, question now, in, in our group, it's one safety and an officer. So if we're in a different location and we now have a kid with us, do we need to go get an adult with us pretty quick? I mean, we're going to be trying to track somebody down anyway, but yeah. it's important that we get an adult with us. I mean, if you're in the, yeah, if you're in the lobby, then you're most likely going to have other adults that, that are there. Um, I mean, the children's director or the children's, wherever that's, Either staff or lead for children's would be the person that that would you would go to, and that would make it to. So um, yeah, I mean you you don't want to be well here. Let's walk in the corner and see if your mom's around the corner. But not that you would ever do that. I'm just thinking while we're wandering around. Yeah. At least at Taylor's, trying to find what's yeah. going on. You know, I don't want to be by myself with a kid either. So yeah, no, 100%. Like you would go grab another volunteer, like a volunteer lead that would be with you. Um, and they make, because most of the time, hopefully they would know the kid and either that we could read his name tag and then figure out who his parents are and find them. So, but yeah, if you're ever in that situation and you like just see a kid that's back in the corner by himself, you'd be like, Hey, we need to go this way. And then you go and find. So at that point you are taking them to a safe place with somebody else. Does that make sense? So if you find them in a location that they're by themselves, like playing in a room. So I, I work with the Mosaic Ministry, and so we have a lot of runners. So if they are running and they can't find them, they play hide-and-seek sometimes. So um, not intentionally. But, um, we would want to do that. All right, moving on to 11. Yep. <clears throat> a guy enters the worship service lobby drunk. You calmly tell him to leave, but he refuses. Uh, Caleb Bixby, Harrison Bridge. So the first thing that we came up with is, you know, immediately you probably want a radio for the officer uh, that is you know, public intoxication. Um, second thing, you know, kind of just position yourself between him and, you know, the sanctuary. More likely, just use your body language there. Um, and then you would kind of strike up a conversation, maybe offer him a coffee, try and help him sober up a little bit. <laughs> So your first action is to take uh, is to call law enforcement, and then would you contact anybody else? Uh, the safety team, yes. Yeah. So this happened um, on a Saturday night. So here you were going to say something. Go ahead. I was just saying, like any other scenario, you're going to get this guy's info and maybe try to document him so he, when he does sober up and shows back up here on that Sunday, everybody's aware of who he is. Yeah. So it was. Um, the law enforcement was actually the first person to intercept him, um, which was great for us because uh, our safety people were doing the, the loop around, and he came in from the QT into the lobby directly. So they were on a loop um, for Saturday night. So they ended up uh, finding them first, which was a good thing. But, yes. Question, if you're Corey from Pelham, if you're the one that is – I guess, talking to the guy, how are you supposed to let somebody else know that they need to talk to this guy without, you know what I mean, like trying to engage him and keep him from going into the sanctuary, yeah. realizing he's reeking, but you well, know, if you're like, hey, we need, you know, I mean, he's going to notice you're yeah. calling somebody over. And that's okay. Okay. I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good for people, I mean, just like taking a picture lets people know that we have them on file, okay. and most of the time that they will not show back up. Um, the guy that stole all the, all the books and everything, like he's never showed back up, not that he would, but I mean, so it's, it's the same exact thing. If they know, Hey, I need law enforcement in the lobby. <laughs> they're gonna be like, Oh uh, yeah, look, it's that time of day. And hopefully they'll get common sense and walk out. Um, so, but we actually had this happen at the launch of the new Anderson campus and it kind of happened so quickly. Uh, the gentleman was actually, he went into the lobby, uh, and we, of course, had drinks, and, I mean, it was like a party. I mean, the lobby, if you've been to Anderson, is really small. So Not alcoholic drinks. for the Yeah, we didn't have alcoholic drinks. <laughs> oh, it was a good launch. You said it was a good party with lots of drinks, so, I mean, I just wanted to clarify that. You want, did it, so, yeah. 
But anyways, he uh, we we actually <laughs> took him outside, um, and Stephen Dickey, who is one of our staff, he actually just took care. Like he just started having the conversation. So at that point, we just let law enforcement know. Um, so in that case, like use your best judgment. But I mean, you got leaders around you. You know, if you feel like a staff person needs to have a conversation with them, then just you know, in that moment, it was just like, hey, Stephen, will you, you know, do you want to talk with him? And he was like, yeah, I'll do that. So he just took care of it. But we did tell him, just so that you know, because I was like, what did you tell him? You know, because I kind of stood us to the side, and I thought it was real great wisdom. <coughs> he said, hey, we, we want to have you come to our church. Like, we want you to be here, but you're drunk. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, we don't want you to come here drunk. So if you want to come next week, that'd be great. And just don't drink. Don't drink when you're coming here. So... I mean, I thought that was just good. Like, I appreciated Stephen Dickey for saying that. So, good wisdom there, and just happens all the time. Yeah. And it's good to, um, I mean, even in that scenario, to get a picture as well. Um, Anytime you can put that in the documentation, because that's the great thing about that form. You can take a picture and attach it to that form really easy. And then we can blast it out. So, on the bottom of the form, it says attach picture, and it's pretty easy. So, we try to make it easy. Um, anything else? Document it. There we go. Um, so yeah, we wanted to walk through all of that and, um, last just a couple minutes here, um, we wanted to do words of wisdom with Isaac Henderson. So invited Isaac up here. Um, so I just have a couple questions for him, uh, with, uh, so as a safety team, by the way, do most of y'all know the names of the law enforcement guys, the regular ones that are at your campuses? Okay. So it is, it is, I mean, I know we put it in the manual, but it is really, really good thing to go and introduce yourself. Um, and not that, I think, we started building a relationship with a couple of law enforcement guys here. Um, and on his off weeks, he actually comes to church here now. And he lives in Powdersville, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, and so, like, not only are you, like, are we working with them, but they see that relationship and they see the care and the care that we have for them. Um, and our, the way our safety team has kind of, like, they've been really great. Um, and he's like, hey, these are people that are real. They're telling their junk. And he gets to sit in the lobby sometimes and hear the messages. So he's hearing things. Um, so they're getting a lot of exposure. And he started coming to church, which is really cool. So we had the opportunity. But um, what are some ways that we as a safety team can partner with the paid law enforcement here? Um, to help that relationship. Well, on a personal level, we can just be friendly. You know, they're in the lobby, we hang out, we can talk to them, get to know them a little bit better. Um, I'm not sure. As far as actual partnering with the church and law enforcement, a lot of these... um, properties, you can give the law enforcement a big um, upper hand on it, so to speak, if, uh, if the property itself, if you get jurisdictional rights signed over on the property to the agency, uh, it's a good way for the church in general to ta- uh, partner with the law enforcement agency, because that just gives them, um, like I said, a bigger upper hand, because it's basically on private property, you've just signed over jurisdictional rights, so now all of your um, state and local laws are now able to be enforced on that property. Um, that's the two biggest things I can think of. Yeah, so we, we have, you. it's kind of nonchalant, but we have a sign in the back that says this property is under Greenville County jurisdiction, um, and it's stuck on like one of the power boxes that are by the QT. Um, and most of our campuses, uh, or some of our campuses do have that, but um, and that is to help with the them to be able to come in. Yeah, if you're if you have a suspicious person, then that and the law enforcement officer can just deal with that completely. Because, well, give me your ID. Well, I don't want to. You don't have any reason to. Well, actually, not really, because I might want to put you on trespass. So now you're part of the investigation. So, give it to me or go to jail either way. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh wow, that made that so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so much easier to arrest somebody that way. Yeah. So. Um, so I would find out. You know, the jurisdiction, make sure your campuses have that. Um. Yeah. So w- what about just the relational piece? Um, have it, like, just 
getting to know them, talking to them. Yeah, they're human like anybody else. Just yeah. Creates, I mean, you're seeing them week in and week out, or if they're just the regular people, or even on a rotation. So it's, you know, just get to know them. Most of them are pretty friendly. Talk about something cool like guns and make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what works here, at least. So, yeah, you talk about guns and other things like that. But, yeah, we, we want to make it like, so all your time should not be, obviously, with the law enforcement guy. But it is important to build those relationships. So, um, because we're, we're shining light of Christ to them, um, and we, we want to support them. Um, uh, we are appreciative for them coming and doing this. Um, there's a lot of other off-sites that they could be doing, or I don't know, we call them, I forget what we all call them, side jobs that they could be doing. Um, and so, they're, they're here. So, we're thankful for that. Um, I know that different, most canvases have Greenville County, um, Pickens County for Anderson and uh Powdersville, and then TR, um, no, it's Harrison Bridge. Harrison Bridge has different, they have Fountain Inn Police, right? Um, Fountain Inn City, Police. yeah, but yeah. So build those relationships, um, and you, ne you never know. I mean, I have uh, I have their numbers where I'd, we text them and just let them know things that are going on, especially if you have someone that's something going on and they're not here, they're on an every other week basis, you already have that relationship, then they, like, you text them, you, they'll know, oh, hey, this is, this is Joe, and this is a legit thing um, of something just to be on alert about. So um, whenever, whenever you're looking at um, different people, um, what are some, maybe some yellow flags and some red flags um, that you would say? I mean, I think we probably know a lot of um, red flags, but more of the yellow flags, the things that put you on alert, um, to just be focused in, not necessarily to act on, but what are some of the yellow flags that you would say for people coming in that are, yeah, um, that well could be a threat? I mean, it's kind of situational. There's probably like a billion you could probably come up with. I probably won't be able to think of very many, but um, you'll probably get a feel for your campus pretty much and know who's the regulars, and, you know, even if you have some, new visitors and stuff like that, you'll kind of, for the area, you'll start to tell who's normal coming in or out. So someone that's abnormal or suspicious should stick out pretty much. Um, you can look out for, I mean, nowadays the biggest, some of the biggest threats are obviously in the news and stuff, or the biggest, scariest stuff is gonna be active, active shooter stuff. So you start looking out for major red flags and stuff like that. Um, yellow flags and I don't know, I would say, just people that are in, you know, doing things that are just off out of the norm. Um, it could be something simple like everybody's coming in and they're just, you know, staying in their car or, you know, or someone in the parking lot just staying in their car. Yeah, they might be talking to somebody or whatever, but if they're just in the car, it might seem strange or um, they're wandering about around the building and haven't gone in. You know, it could be something simple, but they might be going through stuff in their head and or if they're walking to different parts of the building or um, where they really shouldn't be, they're starting to scope out the place, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Bigger things, you start looking in at backpacks, people that are dressed in trench coats in the middle of summer and just really <coughs> obvious stuff that's like, okay, that's completely out of place. Yeah. Because um, I'd say that I think us as a church and even just knowing some of um, – this, is, this isn't a fine region, but we are seeing um, a lot of people that are coming to the region that have mental illness. And so we're looking at how to bridge that gap because it is hard because those two lines can be blurred, right? A lot of times they are. I mean, people with mental illness would follow through with something like that. But, um, and I, part of that is discretion, and I, I think that's something that we'll continue to, to talk through and walk through. And future trainings, but that is just something that as, like, at Pelham, we're starting to see more of that, and we find out some of those people are actually coming to region. <laughs> um, and so they're, they're, they're wanting recovery, they're getting help, but they still, they still are struggling with um, a, a mental ailment. And so we want to be, um, that's why this is, again, is important, so that we love God, I mean, that we see, the, we see people the way that God sees them, um, and that we're loving them the way that he does. So... Does anyone have any questions? Um, we, we don't have time for a lot, but um, does anyone have any just any questions about what we talked about tonight or anything that involves situational for safety? Yes. I have no idea what 
All right, so, well, t well that's a, uh, he's wondering where the first aid kit is, so we will, it's, we'll, we'll t teach him how to read, so, and later. It says first aid on the wall, you know. <laughs> it is. So. Any other good questions? <laughs> I know Eric too well, that's the problem here, so, it's one of those things. Any other questions? We did that good of a job. That is what I'm talking about. So one minute left. Um, so, uh-oh, someone set a timer about when they got to get out of here. Who did it? This plan. So um, just to let you guys know, we have safety team manuals. And so if you do not have one, um, they are in the back. Um, but we want, we want everyone to have one uh, if, if you don't. Uh, so uh, we put a lot of time, when I mean we, I mean Chris. Um, Chris did a really great job I, I mean, about putting together a lot of the resources. That makes it really easy, and all the stuff is in one place. And so um, it's really easy to hand these out. Um, and for, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we walk through is all here. So, Joe, can I also mention that each of your campuses should have a addendum to that manual? Yes. So if you don't have an addendum, if you've never seen it before, you know, reach out to your safety lead. Uh, this year has been trying something new. So these two medical trainings and two situational trainings, like we've never done this before. We think it went well. We're, we've gotten some really good feedback. So we're going to do this again next year. And uh, this we're recording, so we'll, we'll get this out to you guys so you can share with your teammates for those that might not have been able to attend. But just continue to try to get you guys resources and ways to think about how to just care for people through safety. So really appreciate you guys a ton. Yeah. So the next medical training is going to be on February 20th. We're going to send out all this in email so you'll get that. Um, and Molly's going to be sending that. So everyone thank Molly for setting all this up tonight. So very appreciative of her doing that. Um, so, um, but we're going to continue to, because we want to continue to be sharp. So, it will be different situations, um, but we'll, it will be something similar to this, and hopefully that you had the ability to learn. Um, and that's the main goal. May learn and then socialize with other people. So um, I'm making sure I got all my notes. Yes. So all the stuff that I needed to get through. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to pray, and then if you have questions or anything like that, um, Chris and I will be up here. We'll walk through that. Um, with you guys, and so we'll pray and then get out of here. I think there's still some snacks in the back. See some brownies, brownies and popcorn and, and cookies. So, all right. Um, Lord, we're thankful for tonight. Um, we're just thankful for the opportunity to get together. Um, and so we pray that, uh, God, that you give us wisdom, God, that you give us the wisdom, the ability to, um, to discern um, and the ability to see people the way that you see them and ultimately love them, um, even though that's not my first response. So I pray that you make my heart more like that. I pray that you make our whole hearts like that, that you will give us the ability to do that um, and to be able to care for the people that are in the church and also do that by protecting them. So we're thankful for tonight. We're thankful just for this time, and we pray that um, you just continue to give us that wisdom. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. See you guys.